Wheel of Time turns and podcasts come and go, welcome to Wattcast, a Wheel of Time book and watch club. We are reading through Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series and watching Amazon's Wheel of Time TV show. I'm Caleb Wimble, and with me are Dan Katinsky. Hey, everyone. Kelly Frank. Hello. And Nick Wicks. Hello. You can find us all at Wattcast.net, follow us on socials, and support the show at patreon.com slash Wattcast. Your support does mean a lot. Even $2 at the Two Rivers tier helps, but if you want to pitch us $5 at the Tar Valentier, you'll get access to special bonus episodes talking with special guests about other fantasy series and films. Email us questions, comments, and corrections via contact at Wattcast.net with the subject line questions. We will answer them here on the show as they come in. Today, we are continuing book three of the series, The Dragon Reborn, chapters 41 to 45. That sounded right in my head. Let me double check my notes. Yes, I think that's that's what we read, right? Uh, three days ago was when I finished them, and that seems like a million years ago now for some reason. Chapter 41, A Hunter's Oath, uh, brings us to Perrin and company arriving in Ilion. Uh, Fail at this point, basically accedes to Moraine's demands that she either get all the way on this boat or shove off completely. So she swears uh, fealty and secrecy and is allowed to accompany them, uh, which is um, you know, good... Good or horrible timing on her part, because things start to escalate very quickly. They, they find an inn. Something is feeling really wrong in Ilion in general. Everyone's feeling off. Perrin is smelling weird shit all over the place. Everybody's on edge. There's like this air of, um, of like, dis, uh, of, of ev- everyone, everyone in the city seems to be acting suspicious or paranoid or extra aggressive or all these like little things that are off. Um, Loyal also feels that something is wrong. And wouldn't you know it, where after they find the place at an inn with a highly skeptical innkeeper who happens to be a confidant of Moraine's who sends her updates from the city, the party are attacked by gray men who uh parent alone is able to sense the soulless apparently they are the part of their power their dimness is that they don't give off that aura of the shadow strong enough for moraine to detect them and therefore land so moraine goes out into the city alone to investigate uh and to figure out what's going on and and figures that they're actually after perrin in this case and that she miscalculated and that the other taverin are are extremely important in some way to everything too and that she's been hyper focused on rand uh then perrin finds uh, Darkhound imprints. They're being hunted by Darkhounds and the Wild Hunt, uh, who are apparently serving Samael, one of the Forsaken, who we learn is ruling in Ilion right now. And uh, so they they go they go fleeing. Uh, Moraine comes back. Uh, oh, with that news, um, Len manages to kill one of the Darkhounds, but uh, but basically the whole group gets chased on horseback. It's a desperate situation, uh, and it's, and Len is like convinced, no, 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 we can kill one or two maybe at best, but these things are hard to kill, and they're going to murder the hell out of us. Moraine uses Balefire to, uh, or, well, she doesn't name it, but she talks about this for this utterly forbidden and lost art that she has uncovered, uh, which we've had several characters talking about lately in, in different contexts that uh, just obliterates all, all 10 of the, the Darkhound pack. Um, meanwhile, Matt is experimenting with his fireworks and kills... Uh, the, these dark friends that keep coming to the camp seem to have an MO, which maybe this sort of confirms that the ones that came for Rand were probably that. This It's like this, this uh, dark friend woman, a merchant, uh, and, and her bodyguards who just uh, immediately try to murder Matt and Tom, uh, but uh, but uh, but Tom throws knives and they they uh, defend themselves and kill the dark friends. Arrive in Camelin. Matt unsuccessfully attempts to deliver Elaine's letter. Goes back to, uh, and then finds 
finds out like the city's gotten kind of weird and there's that extremely open hostility towards the White Tower now. Queen Morghese has a new lover uh, who is like replaced Gareth Bar- Gareth Bryan as her or is it Byrne or Bryan? Gareth Bryan I think is the, is the captain of the guards and half the city guard have been replaced and it's a real asshole lot like a really like uh, like loudish bunch that have replaced them and they are extremely hostile to anybody claiming to be from Tar Valen and, uh, and then Matt um, rejoins Tom at, at the Queen's Blessing Inn and learns like sort of what's going on with that situation with with Lord Gabriel and whatnot. Uh, those are those are the um, the high plot summary marks. But uh, there's a lot of other things that go on that I completely elided in these chapters, and that maybe we'll get into as we get into what were the highlights for each of us. So, uh, Keely, what were what were your big takeaways this week? Um, I think a big thing for me is like this back and forth between Moraine and Lan. I'm getting kind of tired of of uh, mm. him constantly. I mean, I guess rightly so, but constantly bringing up like, well, you're going to get rid of me anyway. And then her being like, don't fucking make me get rid of you. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of yeah. tired of that. Um, there was a scene with Loyal, I think it was these chapters, where he was basically saying like, I could have fucking gone home. I could have just gone to the setting. <laughs> I could have fucking got married. And I was like, I love that so much. I love getting more of like Loyal's personality coming out. Um, and then oh, yeah, I because his folk are here in are here in the city. He thinks right. The yeah. Stead- the Steading Shanghai Ogier. Yeah. Well, then they find out that they left early, so yeah. the Ogier clearly like something's going on. Um, I didn't realize that Moraine used Balefire. Like, I didn't totally understand what she did in that moment. I wrote down like, what was that? Because <laughs> I didn't fully understand it. Um, so I I still don't know exactly what it was that she did to them that they all just kind of like disappeared. Like, I are they supposed yeah. to? Did all the dogs like evaporate? did she teleport them like i don't really understand what we're supposed to get it was weird because they usually describe balefire as like a sliver of light and it like here and it's extremely bright and like pierces but in that scene i I felt the same way where it was like sort of like an explosion or something and and it was kind of weird but i think it was definitely balefire but it was a weird description of it yeah, and I and I'm probably giving it giving I probably shouldn't even name because they don't name it here in the scene. That was probably me. They me don't. It's very vague. Too much, but yeah, they they give. They, it's often described as this like yeah, like liquid fire kind of look that's so bright you usually can't even look at it. But so we don't usually get that description of basically just leaving the ash outlines of the of the dark hounds right. Like you just sort of see like the um, the marks of them on the ground. But yeah, I don't I don't think we know what it is yet. What it does mechanically, other than that, things just disappear. So I, I should try not to say more than I have already. Just even even naming it here, the, the, every every group has been talking about it either obliquely or or directly. Uh, what was the? I'm trying to think because because the Aiel were bringing it up before. Anyway, yeah, um, I'll put a pin in the Balefire thing for now. Um, sorry, Kelly, did you <laughs> did you have other uh, high marks? <laughs> uh, just I'm still really loving uh, Matt and Tom together. I could totally have like an mm. entire book of just the two of them doing adventures together. Um, I think the Dark Hounds are fucking sick i love those types of character like being so i hope we get more of that um and then i thought it was interesting that the the inn lady what's her name like nida oh or yeah something like that yep i thought it well <laughs> i thought it character. was interesting that she's been like reporting stuff to moraine like they kind of drop mm-hmm. that and then just like don't really talk about it again um but you know we were talking about how like the the amount of things that characters are able to believe yeah like yeah. at this point you'd think that it would just be like sure fucking why not of course that exists like i feel like that's how i would react is like why wouldn't there be fucking like demon 
human dogs. Of course there fucking is. But she was like, no, of course not. You guys are crazy. <laughs> like, there's there's a guy next to you with yellow eyes and then uh-huh. a fucking, like, mythical creature called an ogier. But no is too much for you, bitch. Like, it just, some of she, it feels kind of weird. <laughs> she's lived a, a sheltered existence, let's say. It doesn't seem like she's ever really <laughs> le- left Ilion for, at the very least. I can understand that, though, like, having grown up south of the equator where literally never snowed folks a lot of them had never seen snow in their life so it's just like i mean they can perceive it because we have modern like internet and news and tv so they can see it there but if you don't have those things if you've never experienced it and you're kind of never Mm -hmm. planning on going out on an adventure or traveling past your like borders i can understand that it seems almost like something that someone's pulling their leg with or just like more Mm -hmm. fantasy than reality yeah i I knew a couple kids growing up who claimed not to believe in snow i don't know how much they were (laughs) trolling not that we had the word at the time versus like (laughs) versus really believed it but they were they were committed to the bit i I did know a few of those (laughs) but even the innkeeper was like what wakili was saying she was like Oh no, us all having the same dream doesn't mean anything. Like, why would that be <laughs> yeah, weird yeah. at all? Like, I don't, I don't think it's reportable. I'm embarrassed it's to tell you soup. about it. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, I, th- I think she's definitely played for comedy on, on mm-hmm. that. But, uh, but it sure does feel like she has that, that fake news, fake news vibe about yeah. absolutely everything brought up along the way, even as she continues to think with her own eyes throughout these past. Do we, do we think she's actually going to listen to Moraine and leave the city when, Mar- when at the end of this, Moraine is like, listen, fucking listen to me, pack your bags, get the, get your out of here, get your family out of here. Anyone you care about leave. Uh, who, who's got the, what's the over under on her actually taking this advice? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't see her leaving. <laughs> I see them being like a little concerned, but until something's right in front of her face, I get kind of the vibe that she's like, will it really happen? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what about you, Nick? What were your big takeaways? Oh, let's see. Uh, I liked, um, I really love the, I, I didn't, when I first read it, I wasn't a huge like fan of the uh, Perrin Fail like dynamic, but like looking at it a second time now, I think it's really entertaining. Um, like the way she just sort of like, brushes his back or whatever that he like you know jumps up and just like, like straightens up and panics and she like teases him about how you know if that's if that's what he'll do at the reaction of just like a, a little tickle and then it kind of leaves the rest for imagination uh yeah. so i really like the embarrassing uh parent to make him feel super like self-conscious dynamic i got a kick out of this time I think it's kind of, it's partly that they can both read each other's bullshit so easily. They both always know so far, like exactly what the other is fronting about and just rag each other endlessly about it. I think that's kind of what I'm like in the dynamic so far. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Yeah. I agree with, um, with Keely too. The dark hounds are always like pretty badass. Um, And then what else? Uh, Yeah. I also agree with like the Matt. Matt is just, you know, I think for everyone reading these books, Matt slowly becomes just like a better and better character. And the bar gets set so low those first few books. <laughs> like it all really of this was. stuff just seems super entertaining. Um, so seeing him just, uh, you know, like j- him and Tom and him just kind of acting like you're trying to waltz into like a castle yeah, with yeah. <laughs> like with all these cards out front and just being rebuffed and having no idea why. It's just like really endearing. Yeah. Um, 
Um, to to the point where that change of of person, not just personality, but it's interesting that people don't even recognize him. Like uh, at the end, yeah. um, the stable hand, and I think the innkeeper at first, and maybe the cook. Like none of them really remembered him until like really looking close. Which is interesting given the show's uh, casting thing that they're ha- having to do, replacing uh, Barbara Harris and everything on there. That it, it does seem to sort of. I mean, that's not why they did it, but it sort of seems to fit very in, convenient. In well, at least, yeah, yeah. Like it yeah, almost sounds like it was written person. to retcon yeah. the the actor. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like yeah, I don't recognize you yeah. at all. Yeah, and then and then him him. I think the other funny thing in these chapters too was just him like cutting open the firework <laughs> next to a yeah. fire after a lucha just like warned <laughs> out when he like exposes us to air, it might blow up. And then not only is he exposing it to air, but he's literally in front of a campfire. And then uh, tosses I, it in. <laughs> it's just like absolutely hilarious. Uh, Tom's reaction, just like his, you could hear his voice like squeaking into the hot, like off the, the audible hearing range in, in his fury. Mm-hmm. I feel like we all knew a Mac growing up. Like we all just knew that <laughs> kid who would just have no, did not listen to anyone and just like did his own, did the opposite of what everyone told him and somehow, you know, all got away with it. So that was fun for me. Those were the kids that got really into backyard wrestling, like uh, jumping on tables <laughs> and breaking the big lights, the LED yeah. lights on each other. Oh, oh no. Um, but I think the, yeah, those those are my highlights. Dan, what, uh, <laughs> what, what were your big takeaways on these? Um, Ilion being a new location and describing it differently than a lot of the other places was great. Um, I really liked the whole swampy, like warm atmosphere and having the... I guess they were described as like canals with like a, a lot of bridges, and I thought that was a cool vibe. Gave mm. it more of a southwest, southeast kind of mentality. So I like that they're shifting up the landscape a little bit. I had asked for that. I think the last time um, we connected. So happy about that. I like. I don't like that we didn't get any naive and team because those three are my favorite, and I was a little deprived of mm. having none of them, especially given the last set of chapters like ended with them. So I was a little. Out of the multiple storylines going on, I think the Perrin one is kind of my least favorite at the moment. So we got a lot of that time. But I like Perrin. I just don't like the dynamic, as Keely described, between... I think um, Moraine's become a very unlikable character. Mm-hmm. So compared to the show where I really like her dynamic, and I think they're doing a much better job, I don't sympathize with this Moraine. I find her grating, very manipulative, and the dynamic with Lan is super frustrating. So, And then just how much angst they have between... Perrin mm-hmm. and Moraine just not not fun to read and I don't like the I'm spacing on her name right now the the new character that's tagged along the hawk Fail. Fail. thank you I'm not a fan I don't like the or Fail yeah. Zareen I don't like this character that just like hops all peppy but also kind of obnoxious and just jumps on the bandwagon and expects everyone to just kind of like let her tag along on this and refuses a no I, I just find that kind of grating it's like well they're on a mission here you're getting woven into the pattern so it's like whatever you're gonna be let along and that's pretty much why Moraine allows it but at the same time I'm finding her optimism a little frustrating because it's just like I'm hopping on like you can't tell me no I'm gonna do this and I'm like bold and, and just like frustrating the care like Baron doesn't like her um and she just keeps like prodding and teasing and being I don't know something about that dynamic just pisses me off and yeah. I want her I want her to be kind of put in like her place a little bit because it's she like, does she sobers up a bit when she realizes the stakes of things right finally when they're like it's a freaking forsaken <laughs> yeah it's yeah like, yeah took long enough because uh, like 
she's like, oh, that thing doesn't exist. And then it happened. And then she's like, well, that doesn't uh, exist either. That's just like, it well, takes her a little I, while to really progressively widening. <laughs> yeah. And also eavesdropping on all conversations. It's just like, she's like that pestering, like Jar Jar Binks style character in my mind. It's just like gets to tag along is like super upbeat and peppy, but then also eavesdropping into everyone's conversations and breaking the rules that she like swore to. I don't know. It's just kind of annoying to me. I'm like, why, why are you around? Why do you exist yet? You haven't, I'm wondering what role you play in this narrative. Uh, so just waiting for that to kind of become more apparent because I assume Jordan has a reason to bring in this other like new cast member who gets woven into the pattern and does something. So I'm sure that there's a plan, but right now I'm just like, you're the annoying character that tags along, but doesn't have a real good reason to tag along. You're just along for the ride and people have to bear like groan and bear with it, which is like not my favorite character type. Especially Um, since we know that she has been set up for a while with the, the min vision that presumably Mm -hmm. she's, she's going to matter to the plot. Yeah. Like I know she's, I know she's going to mean something. I just, at the moment, it's like, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, like like that. I love the whole suspense leading up to the reveal of a Forsaken leading um, Ileon. I thought it was a cool buildup. And I always love that, like, foreboding atmosphere and, like, kind of the, what are they called again? The zombified, not zombies, the the gray men or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought the gray the men were interesting yeah. coming in. Yeah. And, like, Perrin being able to recognize that earlier than the others was a fun dynamic so there, there's a lot of cool things going on and then some annoying things like the personalities grading on each other is just like getting old and moraine constantly throwing land under the bus even though he's like the most loyal subject you could possibly ask for um i don't know she needs to kind of sober up there and be nicer to him because it's getting really annoying she's constantly threatening threatening to send him back to the white tower moraine? Yeah. yeah yeah she and she is I, she is so i don't think we've ever seen her angrier or more caught off guard or uh, more clearly afraid like what you know she she's talking about like the sh- like the shadow revealing all these things she had no idea about she says she was a fool not to recognize so much of what's going on here and she she seems like yeah like terrified and angry with herself uh, for for so much that she didn't anticipate and hasn't been able to see so far she's really and it is it is frustrating that it gets taken out on land this way maybe because she knows he's the one who can who can take it of course she's also taking it out in part on, on the, in the mm-hmm. others but uh, uh, I think it, I think it's partly also that we we haven't had her perspective in so long that it makes it hard yeah like you said it's harder to sympathize yeah. sympathize when you're not like getting what's going on in her head you're only you're only really seeing seeing moraine from the perspective of the people that she's lashing out at occasionally in the course yeah. of this. and then she's going off to try and investigate out well, what's going what on. what is there i've lost sense of what their objective is like everyone's on a quest right now there's like three storylines yeah. we're following yeah yeah what they're tracking Rand. they're for- trying they're trying to catch up oh with they are following Rand. i totally forgot what their overall objective was. <laughs> it's just like, what is Maureen doing here? Because I feel like she's been wrong about everything this book. Yeah. Like she makes wrong assumptions. She leaves out vital information to help characters along. Uh-huh. She's constantly caught off guard or surprised. I don't feel like Maureen's done a lot this book or the last, to be honest. And I'm like, oh, she just used to be all so their, vital. All their lives. <laughs> she is inserted when the power levels did not match everyone else who's at a much lower uh, yeah. power level. Yeah. It's like when you're at a high mm-hmm. enough power level, you can come in here and kill these things that the others can't even touch. But I don't know. Aside from that, like the others seem to be accomplishing a lot more and progressing things a lot more efficiently than Marine is. So I don't know. She seems like she's well, stumbling it, around right now. It also feels like some of the stuff that she's doing is kind of out of character for her hmm. because like it was this time when she like just straight up threatened to like break the thread or whatever of was she threatening parents? 
together and she's like I'll, yeah. I'll fucking end you i brought you into this world i can take you out <laughs> right? kind of like that vibe but then also wasn't it her that at the end she like pushed the door open and like barreled into the room like oh my god it's actually one of the forsaken <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah. And it's she like, comes back with the news yeah like what kind of like marie doesn't really do dramatic entrances like that like lan waits in the rain for her to delicately walk in like that was just, a dramatic entrance you yeah, yeah but not, not where she like dramatic. kicks it like not where she like kicks in the door like because i pictured her as like kicking in the door like all disheveled like yes, oh yeah. fuck like this it doesn't yes. really she was trying to do that here though right but then it gets revealed to everyone that she's an Aes Sedai because of the the soulless thing she was yeah nobody like she, knew was she was trying to like, like ah whatever at this point sneak <laughs> around but also yeah. that like yeah she came back and saved them all from the dark hounds but only because lan went to find her yes like, dumbass good point yeah them. because he disobeyed her yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's that same. Like, I think last episode we talked about how, um, how Nynaeve or how, uh, Avienda stood up to Nynaeve and said, like, yeah, we moved that hurt girl, but the, but in the process of moving her, we found you guys, which helped, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, helped, helped the, the woman. And in the same instance, you have like a similar theme where Lan is told to do one thing and that's like the smart thing to do, but then, you know, follows his own instinct and then it ends up working out. Uh, which I think we do see that kind of theme throughout the book of uh, the, the struggle between what I'm supposed to do and what uh, what I feel like I, I should do. Uh, and then it, and it kind of resolves itself. So that's everybody's um, big highlights. Do we have any, um, Nick, you, were, you sort of revived our, our a combination Jordanism slash like favorite uh, passages or, uh, or I, yeah. thing uh, in here? Did you have any takeaways from that this week? I have a few. I have a few. I don't know if you guys will indulge me. Let me go first. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go it's ahead. My, my, uh, so the one I have, I don't know why, I'm, why I think this is so funny. It's literally just one sentence, but in, in chapter 45, I don't even know what the context is because I'm looking at my highlights on my my Kobo, and it just says, "Fellow couldn't tell me from Hawkwing's toenails." <laughs> it's just uh, like, oh, that was that like was mad about... in the stable. I love that yeah. dynamic because yeah. yeah. the dude doesn't remember metal, but he gets thrown a silver and some bronze, and he's like, "Ooh!" And then yeah. initially <laughs> the guy was like, "I don't know who you are at all," and then he's like, "Oh, I totally remember you, Master." <laughs> and he, he runs off before he has to use Matt's name because he doesn't remember it. Yeah. But I love like the like you said that Jordan. That's totally like a Jordanism trying to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like Aquing's toenails, just yeah, really funny. Um, and then what was the other one? I have a couple highlights of oh, though I have a couple highlights of Zareen uh, or Fail. Um, you know, just teasing Perrin, which is funny. But then there was one um where she, she what I thought was really interesting or kind of I guess interesting. Uh, he says where Perrin basically reaches just down and takes Zarine by the arm and then she squawks and like he throws her up onto the saddle and I'm just like picturing this as someone who is like I've been on a horse before and you know so like I just I cannot imagine someone just oh, like yeah. grabbing a uh, hundred some pound like person and then like with one arm and like throwing them up on the saddle behind him uh, yeah, or the on, the, physics on the butt of, of the horse are... yeah <laughs> So that was, uh, uh, you know, this dude, I know he's a blacksmith, but I mean, you have to be, I, I can't, you have to be <laughs> jacked and, and <laughs> you'll have to weigh like, like 90 pounds to do that. Uh, those, those are the ones that, that I, that I, that I highlighted. Keely, Dan, do you, uh, any particular highlights? Keely, do you want to go first? 
Sure. Um, so definitely the thing with loyal about like, you know, I could have just fucking gone home and got married. Um, but then also I really like the dynamics between um the what's his name? Like Master Gill and yeah, Tom yeah. playing the game and then like they're they're trying to like just be old buddies and then Matt shows up and, and like the dynamics of the three of them, that whole scene I really liked. And I like yeah. that it's just like it feels just kinda like the old men that are just like playing chess at like the mall and like watching the young kids like fuck around and you know matt kind of taking charge and being like i'll figure this fucking thing out like you just wait and so it's like i just i really like that master Gil came back i was like oh finally a fucking innkeeper that wasn't immediately written off like or forgotten about yeah um and then just still the dynamics with with tom and matt are just still some of my favorite and it's it, it, it that's a fun combo too because it's like matt just like you know being completely gung-ho let's just ch- i'm gonna check this off and do this right now and driving the action forward with them and then the two men g- keep interjecting with like points mm-hmm. of order slash you know a very critical context that he doesn't necessarily have and then everybody fill it in i agree that's a, that's a fun little scene there the calico yeah. cat on the table yeah and i like that like tom is trying to be kind of protective of matt but also just kind of like letting him make his own mistakes so yeah. like when when he opens the firework and almost fucking kills them then tom's like <laughs> yeah. oh my god but when they get to the <laughs> town and matt's like i'm gonna fuck off and do this he's like all right have fun i'll see you later it was uh, like i, I kind of like that that tom is like he's here to help when he knows that you need it but yeah. not he's not gonna like tell you that you need to do something yes also he's not going within a thousand feet of oh Morgan's yeah <laughs> or, or anybody who knows Morgan can help yeah I think for me was probably the dynamic of Matt and Tom with the the fireworks and the fire. Uh, it's more of his tone of voice and just his reaction. I don't remember the exact words, but he was just like, "If I wanna, if I wanted to die, I would like go to the palace and pinch <laughs> more gays." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like what? That's it's so random, but it was just like really funny though, because he's like, especially if you're listening to that chapter. I wasn't reading; I was listening to the audiobook, and the way the voice actor does it just was like, I don't know. Actually got me to laugh out loud, which was funny. Um, I also liked Perrin freaking out about um, Zareen not having an identifiable reason for following them. He's like... For wedding them? Sorry. For kind of tagging along with them. It's like blowing his... Yeah, and he's like, only a mad woman would want to do this to be in a story or something or have a good tale. And he's just like, this doesn't make any sense. It's like, does not compute with Perrin and his rationale. He's like, okay, I don't understand you. He's like, you got to have a better reason than that. So he's like really frustrated with her. And I thought that was like an interesting perspective he was bringing because Perrin has like logic with everything he does or he likes building things. He always associates it back to his occupation. So for people that are all like kind of flighty and more of just like, for the journey impulsive. or for like the the impulsive is like very bizarre to him and he has to like rationalize it so that, that was a very fun way to just keep fleshing his character out more like they're those two parent and matt are getting a lot more interesting there was a oh where was the comment i did have like a least favorite statement for the book or like, which was like <laughs> yeah, yeah was it parent i think in the end being super fat phobic and i was just like not about it yeah, like, oh, yeah, moment. yeah. about it was about like oh mistress, yeah uh what's her name yeah, yeah. He was like oh like i can't imagine this but like the the mistress was like oh yeah i used to sing this and he's like i can't imagine Mieda. a woman that large singing on stage and it was just like it was such yeah. a dis- sometimes there's like such jarring like sexism and fat phobia that i'm just like it makes yeah. these characters kind of disgusting and i'm like oh this is just acceptable at the time to be this it like inhuman to people i don't know it's just
It's that that's like a that's a particularly bizarre stereotype because I feel like the old stereotype of like a cl- like opera singers especially was the opposite. Uh, yeah. Like like it's a it's a very strange thing to say. I don't know. Like I can't yeah. picture a heavy person singing on stage. Yeah, it was just like well, I guess because she was like being very sexual. Like the woman singing was like I know Jordan mentions breasts as Nick points out. Loves to like mention breasts all the time. He talks about how she had like very little covering and there's like a lot of cleavage or whatever and she Uh tries to like tidy up when she realizes it's an ice and die and it's like really weird um but i guess it's because it's like a sexual showgirl that he's like couldn't picture a fat woman doing that and i was just like this is off-putting so there's still jarring moments Mm -hmm. like that or like matt treating i'll never understand the dynamic of not being shocked by killing men but apparently it's impulsive to kill women it's like is killing somebody period not like how have you trained your brain to be like world yeah 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 just like so they kill the men and that doesn't have an effect on these people as humans but killing women is like repulsive and he doesn't understand it and it's like really disgusting to him like how did you train your brain to be so repulsed by one individual dying and not another just because it was like a woman like it's just like oh those men deserve to die because they're like i don't know it's just like such a bizarre like gendered view of like men dying is just casual and you expect it but a woman dying is so horrendous and like why why is anyone dying period not horrendous to you matt so i don't i don't know if it's just if people really do feel that way back then and still do like if actual people like have different reactions to like women being killed than they do men yeah i mean it's back it's back to that that same old thing right where it's like well you can't like it's strange to have it both ways because yeah you know like in 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 our world and in societies with rigidly enforced gender roles it made a sort like there's kind of there there is a there's a logic to it that if you're in a society that strictly enforces no it's men who go it's men who go to war it's men who it's men who occupy all the positions of power blah 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 that you would make it like an extra atrocity to kill you know like a like someone who is like who in the society is not allowed to bear arms is not allowed to to hold power like you know that's hence the old like women and children first kind of thing and all that on like like boats that are going down but yeah in this world it's like it's it's just it's at this point for these characters such a bizarre like like stereotype to have or, or a bizarre mindset to have in light of Aes Sedai in light of Aiel yeah. in light of like all these countries yeah women do everything in this where, book yes, like they're yeah, the main <laughs> the main protagonists yeah, yeah. are all women it's like why is this so it doesn't make sense to have it in this world at all. It's like women are the majority in terms of getting things done, both combat and other roles. So it's like, it, I don't know. They do just as much, if not more, than all the men, like the male characters do. So I, I still Sometimes, don't get why the men have such a... Because it, it's pointed out that it's weird for Fayil to be um, a woman who's a hunter of the horn, right? Like that's like an unusual thing. And that's I like guess, an unheard just, of thing for her to be so young, like to be like a, teen, a teenager who's taken <laughs> taking note. That's true. I can't understand. Like it, it feels, it's I don't strange, know. There's yeah. like very strange back and forth between these gendered roles and I don't know it feels Mm -hmm. very bizarre to me I'm still trying to adjust to that or like expect it Mm -hmm. it's still off-putting but I'm trying to just get into the rhythm but it's still like why is this bothering Matt when he's seen women in combat already it's just like I don't know like yeah yeah it kind of feels like Jordan is just like dropping stereotypes when he feels like it because like he Mm -hmm. I mean like you've been saying like so many women are so powerful and have like the ability to do so much shit but oh my god we can't kill one because they're fragile but Uh, I'm gonna oogle their fucking norks unless it's a fat Uh lady and then I don't want to look at her titties even though they'd be fucking 
nice <laughs> if they were fat. Like, I don't understand. I just kind of like skim past those parts because they make me so pissed off. I'm like, of course you're fat phobic to women. Of fucking course you yeah, are. It's so and funny. like, it's like, and then, you know, you, you can't kill women because like, then I can't fuck them. They, then they can't be mm. property. They can't be slaves. You know, we kill the men because we can't break their spirit and make them yeah, slaves. Yeah, but we'll take the, the women as property. And then it's, it's also like the ultimate, like, fuck you to the men, to the enemy, because then we take your property and like we break mm-hmm. your women. Like it's there. It's it's so much deeper than just these one off, like weird comments from Matt or Perrin. And I kind of want one of them to like say it out loud and get fucking backhanded. <laughs> like just like fucking stop it. Um, like and that, but I mean, even some of the women are fat phobic, like Nynaeve is fat phobic as fuck. And so yeah, it's, yeah. it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's only it's only uh, that even that is particularly gendered, right? Because it's only a positive trait in the character's mind so far if you're a fat male innkeeper, which makes you jovial yeah! and trustworthy. <laughs> but you still are condescending but, to them, even if they are, yeah, because, still it's like, yeah. because they're fat. Mm-hmm. So like, right, they, right. you can't take them seriously. So it's just, I yeah. wish there was like, I don't mind these things popping up if you as an author are going to use them to kind of form a narrative and actually like start to identify and work through some of these concepts. But when you throw them as, as stereotypes, it just yeah. makes it harder to consume because you're not dissecting or kind of talking through some of this or having consequences for any of this or you're not you're just tacking on stereotypes of the time period you're living in and you're not doing anything to kind of challenge Mm -hmm. that notion or be introspective about it so it just it just degrades the overall reading experience when you like like racism in books like when you're it doesn't matter if you were at that time period it's still super problematic and makes the book harder to consume unless you're going to actually break that down and you acknowledge as an author that this was an issue and have the characters work through things or try to explain stuff to your reader and he's not doing that he just throws in it's just those little moments are just super jarring for this reading experience yeah i I don't think this particular issue is going to get any better i don't think it it, it, i don't think it is something that jordan (laughs) is ever very cognizant of and i think there is probably a recurring where he doesn't fall squarely into the you know beauty is good and ugly is evil thing that that but but he does you know but there's like an undercurrent of that that is then when something doesn't conform to that has to be repeatedly pointed out like of course anytime landfear appears we have to be reminded like 15 times like how Mm -hmm. astonishingly (laughs) astonishingly otherworldly gorgeous uh she is because there's the general assumption that that like physical abnormalities that lots of scars that uh, that a big nose like well even that it's like you know we get that pointed out for Patton Fane's case because it's yeah. um it, it's sort of like to mark mark him as like a like a noteworthy like noteworthy um untrustworthy character in this way because of these physical attributes they're like the scarred yeah. assassins or animalistic um uh, uh trollocs and that sort of thing um but then that means we also when it's subverted in some way the narrative is going to remind us a lot like like the fact that Fa- that Fayil has a prominent nose she's beautiful like we're we're told that all the time but we, we but Perrin remarks on like her one like <laughs> physical like difference almost every single time he's thinking about her <laughs> i think to this day which is um i don't know maybe maybe things will happen with that in some way i don't think the stuff about the judgments about fat bodies is, are going to get any better the gender the gender things are contemplated and i i don't know whether maybe they'll, they'll i think they'll, i think the gender interesting the gender one i i feel like they start to resolve a little bit later or at uh-huh. least uh the the notion is challenged like yeah, yeah i don't think it's a spoiler to say i think that that theme comes up a lot with rand uh throughout the series and yeah. it's already and i think i mentioned that in the last one where he, he kills that merchant woman and i was kind of surprised because I, I didn't recall him ever mm-hmm. killing a woman um except for that one time but uh eventually i think there is some like 
he he's challenged i forget by by which characters later on about his views on um not killing women and like and and pushing back more on that i i don't think it's resolved um i think it is challenged eventually where it is sort of pointed out that it's a contradiction um and that it's sort of based on this condescension yeah. and this belief that they're lesser than like right right exactly yeah. yeah yeah caleb did you have uh, we... any oh, i was gonna say do you have any favorite passages caleb yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did. I did a fair amount of highlighting this week. Yeah. Uh, let's see where. Uh, what were the biggest ones? Um, I already talked about some of the some of the marine ones in their uh, comments about the soul list that we already went through. Uh, I had mentioned in the chat. I I just love. I love the moment of. Uh, and it is interesting, Dan, that you talk about how much Fail is annoying you here. Given that uh, I think that I mentioned, and I think Nick, you might have mentioned too, that we let found Fail annoying on a fir- on our first read like a million years ago for me, but now really enjoying her in these passages. So I, I, I'm not entirely sure um, if that'll happen for, for everyone who doesn't like her on a first read, but I'm, I'm loving these bits where like where she's learning all these things in rapid succession right after swearing herself to secretly secrecy and then yeah. gets the escalating revelations and her like the strangled sound she makes upon hearing casually uh, Perrin letting out that Matt blew or no, the Moraine lets out that Matt blew the horn of, uh, of yeah. Valer and it's top Varen and so reads, oh, what excuse me somebody found it somebody found it? and just like like I, I'm, I'm sick for it now so i can't do the uh the escalating <laughs> pitch there but i love that bit uh and her uh and she doesn't re she doesn't react like um mistress uh nieva or whatever whatever name yeah I keep it's something hard to remember um but but she she takes it all in and she takes it in stride but is uh, like as uh, as each new escalating level of revelations comes uh, until the the real bomb drop in the common room of the of Ran the Dragon Reborn in there <laughs> and just the sputtering and choking. So I, I enjoyed that bit. Um, and uh, I do like Fael's willingness to you know she's she is she does have this bravado, but she also seems to be clear. She does seem to understand the scale and scope of it as it comes and is willing to commit herself to to what she's committed herself to. Even as Perrin can you know he can smell when people are afraid, including like Lan and Moraine in this case and and. And uh, and Fael just being like terrified for her life and in revelation of the dark hounds and of the fact Forsaken is running the city, but she is she is genuinely bold and she's genuinely committed to being here and to her word and to this this life that she's chosen. That she wants to be in the legend. She wants to be a hunter. Um, and uh, let's see, there was a lot of Matt stuff I highlighted. Some of my favorites were I think we get a really cool character note with uh, he seemed to remember thinking Camelin was too noisy when he was here before. Now it sounded like a heartbeat pumping wealth and and things like that and like these descriptions that he's mm-hmm. going through of the his impression of coming to the city at this point i think uh that's something that um i i strive to do more as a writer and i think uh that that jordan is doing better and better as the story goes of of developing your characters and your descriptions at the same time those are like the best descriptions right like when your description of a city tells you something about the character that's describing it in their head and we get it through their eyes and their particular judgments and impressions of the place which i think makes it a lot better than just you know it livens it up beyond the generic oh and there's this many walls and it goes up this high and it's this tall compared to tar valen and everything else we do still get that here but then it but then it gets colored by um observations of perrin in coming into Ilion, observations of different observations we had in the prior chapter with with Nynaeve and or Egwene and company there and then here with Matt and getting the person and, and and Matt sort of having this kind of um yeah he he is um 
he, he, somebody who claims he doesn't want to play the hero, uh, and, and is really, you know, obsessed with what this new power can do for him, like his gambling ability and just this desire for, uh, for wealth accumulation that is all coming to a head there, even as he finds himself still doing these heroic things and in, in on this quest for Elaine at this point. Let's to go without passing. I think this is the third or fourth time this book that someone mentioned that Rand reminded them of Tigraine, the former daughter heir for uh, the last uh, queen of Andor before Morghese. Oh. The, some, I, I had to look this up again. Uh, the the this What had happened with the succession wars? Because we, we learned like three books ago, um, Morghese was not next in line to the throne of Andor. Nobody was. Um, the, uh, the whole ruling house sort of got killed or vanished uh, in 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 the course of like the great that huge war the the Aiel War and everything that was happening there. So then after the Aiel War, there was like a war of succession between the great houses of Andor, and that's how Morghese came to power. Um, but uh, it does seem no, th- th- yeah, this is I think the cook in this case at the end is it clean who mentioned um, uh, when she sees Matt, she says like, oh, I remember you. You were with that young prince, weren't you? The one who looks so light to gray and the lights are illuminate memory. And that's the third or fourth time in this book alone that somebody has mentioned Rand looking like Tigre. Um, so I made a highlight of it because I was like, yeah, what the hell? Uh, what the hell is going on with that? Um, mostly it's weird to me at this point uh, because uh, we, as far as we know, Rand's mom is uh, an Aiel. And, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't think we have a flying clue who is dead at this point um, or any of our other, our foundling adventures were just reminded regularly. Yeah, nobody knows where Nynaeve came from. Nobody knows where Rand came from. I think there's a couple other um, secondary characters with questionable parentage. That's how you know you're in high fantasy. We've got to, we've got to have as many characters with uh, with with outstanding questions <laughs> about their their heritage as can. Any closing thoughts, anyone? Uh, the only thought I had was uh, I feel like it deserves uh, just a little more um, attention. I think he did. I, I forget if it was Dan who mentioned it. Uh, he did do a really good job of just setting the scene with Ilion. Like, I just mm-hmm. think you really got this, like, creepy-crawly feeling mm-hmm. of, like, what is going on? Like, I'm mentally looking around in my head, like, looking around in the streets that are forming in my brain of, like, what's going to happen, what's going on? Like, he did a really good job of just breadcrumb trailing small little things that might, you know, give way to, uh, like, a really big problem. So uh, that was just yeah. my last thought was I think he did a really excellent job with that yeah it's always nice having villains that are not all centered around the same objectives and goals so having these forsaken kind of scattered Mm, around the world that they're interacting with almost as like mini bosses or like their own level of just like i don't know i yeah it's just more fun than having your centralized i'm the big bad with fiery eyes and i want to conquer the world dynamic these guys with their own objectives is much more fascinating to me. So I like the ground level Forsaken are way more interesting than like the Dark Lord character. Mm-hmm. So I, I seem that I feel like, especially with 14 books, we're going to have arcs that deal with each of these Forsaken. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they're going to have to deal with them eventually. Yeah, what what would yet. make you think that with a convenient <laughs> 13 of them uh, existing and all? It feels so shonen, like the, the, the Japanese <laughs> yeah. like comic book way because they, they always like have their overall objective, but you're going to meet smaller bosses along the way because your characters aren't high enough level to deal with the big bad yet. So these are going yeah. to level you up or like any kind of RPG. It's like you're yeah, going to have to yeah. go through these people to get to like the final boss because and you're not ready for this guy yet. So you're going to run away because even Moraine can't deal with the Forsaken at the moment. So I don't, but those are fun, though, because it gets you excited because you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a big bad later on. Uh, mm-hmm. So I agree with Nick on that one. Uh, 
closing thoughts for me would be Matt would totally be the person buying NFTs. He's just, he's like, he's Mr. Capitalism there. He's like, ah, I can just feel the money, like the veins through like, Kill, what you were describing the description was, I just made me laugh because I'm like, oh, Matt is so capitalistic. He would just be totally buying all the NFTs and cryptocurrency would be his thing. And he'd be be like, yo, you all have to get in on this. Yeah. It's like, well, and he has the luck to be in in and out at exactly the right moments. He would sell the day before the crash. Right? Living on his yacht somewhere, just like, <laughs> just on his laptop all day following that and just i don't know he totally reminds me of those like mid 20 year olds doing that mm-hmm. um i think the just kind of like going off what both of you are saying that as someone that has a lot of anxiety jordan is really good about making me feel anxious with mm. setting the scenes <laughs> and like feeling unsettled um like the the whole scene when they're in the inn kind of sitting at the table eating and things are really tense and Perrin is like looking around and like having all these thoughts and then like his brain like micro focuses for a second on he's like okay here's these people these people these people walking these people yes what and then (laughs) like going back yeah I was like you know as I was reading it the the first time he mentions the people walking I was like why are there people walking yeah yeah there's six people walking across the dance floor yeah and then he like like goes back it's like smash cut back Wait to like like you know you could picture totally like the fish islands like zoop, yep. like him zooming <laughs> yeah. into them um so i think you know jordan continues to do that that like his world building is is very believable and um it feels like some i mean he gives a, a ton of setting and like people and all that and sometimes it's kind of a bummer because it's like i'm not gonna fucking remember half of these people do we need uh-huh. a name for every goddamn innkeeper if we're not gonna ever see them again um or like what color someone was wearing if it has no fucking significance like i don't think any of that matters but he does do a really good job of setting of like why the fuck is this happening like of just you feeling that like stress from people and yeah i i don't know if i'm giving him too much credit but i think part of what we're feeling for moraine is kind of like a reflection of what she's feeling that like we don't know what her deal is as readers she seems to be doing things that are out of character she's kind of unpredictable and i don't Mm. know if that's necessarily super intentional because that's what her character would be feeling right now it's like she's feeling kind of out of control whereas in the first book she felt more like powerful and threatening and you know she could make herself seem taller than she was and all of this and now it's kind of like bitch what are you doing and so (laughs) Um, I kind of hope that that's what he like this was all intentional to make her character kind of come through that way but just really been kind of enjoying how much of the characters that we're getting this was something we talked about in a different episode about how you know to be able to give all of these characters their own distinct personalities pretty fucking incredible when you think about how many different characters he has Mm -hmm. Um, so like I think that the the confusion that I was having before of like who the fuck is he talking about is like not there so much anymore because we, everyone is kind of coming into their own. Yeah. So just still really enjoying it, and I was just talking to my husband about like I'm excited to finish this book and then get into the next one because I'm like what's gonna happen in a book that's over a thousand pages? <laughs> like <laughs> I'm excited for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> to your point, Keely, though, that I wonder. So is it super intentional? Because you brought up a great point, but he's really good at a huge cast of characters and describing scenes and we've we've talked about his choreography and staging things 
But then I think that makes it almost more jarring when he has like that balefire moment with Moraine, where we're all like, "What actually just happened here? Was this balefire?" It was like so nondescript. It's, it was like two seconds. It's long. meant to be. It's meant to be ambiguous for sure. That's yeah. I shouldn't. So that is intentional. That okay, because yeah. he orchestrates yeah. action so yeah. well that when it's so vague in like two sentences, I'm like, I don't really. I had to kind no, of reread yeah, it because I I couldn't yeah. follow what was actually. Well, happening that, that, that it's meant to give you that what the characters are feeling right where they stand right afterwards. Like, what the fuck just happened? What did she? What did she do? Yeah. Like, did I see that right? Like, did you see that? Did did I see? It? like what even what was that and then you would get her sort of ominous like this is a real forbidden knowledge shit and i may pay dearly for having done this which i don't think we mentioned before but yeah it's like um it, it seems in more ways than one she kind of hints that she may pay, pay dearly for the use of this secret at all uh, and for what it means to use balefire but then also that she's almost certainly revealed herself to samael th- at that point right and to whoever we don't know who's chasing perrin right because somebody came for perrin with the soulless and they are not yeah. and some and it's samael who yeah. sent the, the wild hunt but they're not the same at all because they wouldn't have done both with the characters. They weren't. They were targeting different people too. Solus were against yeah, Perrin, yeah. and Moraine deduces that the hounds were on her scent. Yeah. Well, and I kind of felt. Uh-huh. I, I was just gonna say I kind of felt that confusion with, um, the scene though with the 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 gray men where like Perrin like rips the leg off the fucking chair and table or yeah, something, yeah. <laughs> and then like all of a sudden they're dead, and I I couldn't totally understand. Who had killed who? Mm. Like, did did Perrin kill everyone while Moraine just, like, watched and didn't know what to do? Because isn't that the scene where they say at one point that, like, Moraine was standing off to the side, like, because she knew if she did one thing, it might injure the wrong person? So Yeah, yeah, she's afraid to throw a fireball in. They they almost made it seem like it was his, like, his wolf instincts taking in, because they were saying he was, like, doing... The Aiel almost felt like foreshadowing, like, when he's dancing with the Aiel and, kill, and slaughtering those guys so quickly. That he yeah, has this, like, otherworldly instinct or like, this, like, wolf-like instinct that's faster than normal humans because they mentioned the time. He thought it was, like, 25 minutes longer. They're, like, quarter of an hour or mm-hmm. something. And then he's like, wait, that was mm-hmm. two seconds. Moraine did burn one of them, but she yeah. couldn't use fire when they were so close. Yeah. Okay. So they charged on them, but, like, Moraine can't do anything in close combat when there's a lot of, like, other characters around that she doesn't want to injure because most of her stuff is range of effect. So I, th- I guess she had to like step back and it was over. I think the whole point of that sequence was it was like over in an instant and Perrin's like really fast at combat now. Yeah. And I did, did, did Loyal might've killed one too. Actually, I can't remember the, the second or, and the, or not. His and first uh, time, but maybe Zareen did as well. She had a, she had a knife in oh, one yeah. of them that she pulled yeah, out. So, so it was, so it was all of them uh, react, okay. reacting. It was just Leah, like you said, going in his, Wolfery. It's almost like kind of Peter bull- Parker and his like slowed down spider sense mode is what I <laughs> is like that bully scene in the high school in the first Spider-Man movie was what I felt like with this where he's like time slows down feels like it's really yeah. drawn out but then it's like speeds back up afterwards though. Oh yeah, and then Keely, when you were talking about the soulless camera, like for you know, like painting the cross. And <laughs> oh this yeah. I was actually thinking of I want them to shoot it like the. Uh, have, has anybody seen the horror movie It Follows from like twenty fifteen? No, or not something? yet. So oh, good. It's Love that it's one. so good, and the whole yeah, the whole thing is predicated for those who haven't seen it on the on a very soulless like horror of something that follows you relentlessly and you never notice it until the last minute, and there's all these amazing shots of like. Whereas a viewer, you start to become paranoid that any given character in a crowd or in the background might just yeah, some random start person to walk, oh. just start to walk in a frame, and you're like start becoming suspicious of like every random movement around the frame or 
and then before you know somebody just being on you before you know it and starting to and it develops this kind of paranoia in you as a viewer to realize oh my god it is so hard to know when somebody is like coming for the like the the danger of a crowd or an open space even it's a horror movie where the jump scares are things that are right in front of you they're not like for the most part they're not something coming out of nowhere in pitch black it's that thing that you don't know to fear or creepy anyway highly recommend that um but i would love to see them use similar techniques when the show gets here which for all we know could be this coming season <laughs> they might they might just cram books two and three together so hopefully we'll have a little bit we'll be a little bit ahead of the game this time having made it through at least four by the time they're, well, they're still pulling stuff from the first season is still we're catching moments that happen even in this book like Tom throwing the knife and pulling it out of the woman's throat was in season one already. That happens in the second episode yeah. when he like when oh, she's yeah, chasing. Yeah. She's like she has the sword and she's chasing them around. They just took That's that right. moment You've and inserted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just inserted yeah. that like the knife thrown though, and him killing the woman and the shock value that had for. I think Rand is also in that scene. It's Rand and Matt. But yeah, it's almost the and exact the same scene. in a cage, except except yeah. it's a dead IEL in a cage. Yeah. yeah. So they're pulling. I don't know. Is that gonna water down these moments when they actually happen, or are they just not gonna happen now later on? Like, is that what we got? Different. For... I think we'll get different versions because they're compressing fourteen books and in, yeah in seasons ostensibly. Yeah, hopefully, we still get those moments in some capacity. Otherwise, it's gonna be disappointing. <laughs> Uh, so if you're reading along with us next time, it will be chapters 46 to 50, if I'm not mistaken, of The Dragon Reborn. That's 46 through 50. This episode of Wattcast was produced by yours truly. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Wimble. Dan, where can people find you on the internet? On Instagram and Twitter under the handle Pansy Dan. Keely, where can people find you? On Instagram and Twitter at Keely underscore reads. Nick, where do we go from here? At the heart of the stone, Caleb. The heart of the stone. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, we've had a lot of dreams telling us that at this point, haven't we? Remember, you can find us all at Wattcast.net or on Twitter and Facebook at Wattcast Podcast. Support the show at Patreon.com slash Wattcast. As mentioned, even $2 at the Two Rivers tier helps a lot, but $5 gets you those bonus episodes. So, you know, become part of the White Tower. Join Tar Valley. Uh, you can also support us in a big way for no cost by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice if it supports such a thing. Uh, leaving a, even just a couple words along with that review makes a big difference in the algorithm, puts us in more ears. It's the number two way we find new listeners because the number one way, of course, is when you tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth means the world to us. That is all for today. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Remember, this is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time. But this is an end. Farewell.
Jerry's already watched it. I just started today and watched the first two episodes of season four. Oh, okay. Um, Much better than the last two season thought. I could not remember shit from the last two seasons. No, like Jerry God. and I, <laughs> I can, I've seen season one like three times. Could not remember shit from season two, a little bit from season three. But yeah, so far, this is probably my favorite season being like a horror fan. Like, oh my God, Chrissy. <laughs> so Big, big Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they kind of were building up to it. It's like, oh, we're doing some kind of fucked up stuff to kids, but we're not like straight up murdering <laughs> them. And now this season, they're just like, fuck them kids, <laughs> like killing everyone. I'm so here for it. Right. It was usually off screen or implied before when the children yeah, got, like got they murdered. Were just like but... light torture, <laughs> not like actually yeah. showing their eyes ripped out. Um, I did find an article, only one though, from Small Screen uh, UK saying that the they think that Barney Harris was kicked because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Really? Yeah, that's what they're saying. I obviously, I mean, this is one article. I just put it in the. I thought thing. that was be. I thought that was before. Ev- mm, wow. Okay, that's interesting because I thought it was before even all that before the vaccines even available back back when. But I don't remember. I mean, yeah. it's been like 16 years at this. Point. Oh God. Yeah, they say that they had. They had a source, but obviously they're not going to name uh, their source, and the person could insider. be wrong. So yeah, yeah. Making, so that would be why. So so it was specifically yeah because they knew they were going to film during lock during COVID, and everybody else agreed to get vaccinated. Is that the yeah? Deal? Um, that fucking suck, huh? Well, that's disappointing. Learned that was the the reason. Uh, 